millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from black magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey everyone, welcome to the 141st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got our live episode, live from Sawhorse Productions, with our pals Maureen Barucha, Tim Wilkheim, Sarah Adina Smith, and Tony Yacenda. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> we, we had some technical issues on this one. Uh, we had some amazing... Uh, audio equipment, the same audio equipment we used for our live show at the Famous Group, which worked perfectly when we were there, and it just failed in a uh, very embarrassing fashion. Sure. It was, we had close to 100 people at the live show. Yeah, 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 it was a packed house, and I think there's something special for our audience to see us belly flop. Yeah, about (laughs) 10 minutes into the recording, I noticed that the hard drive was not recording and I, I i didn't know what to do and we i i mean we, did we do the right thing right we stopped yeah, yeah the yeah. podcast stopped down said hey uh this the there's a fault an issue here and we got to start over except yeah. i felt bad because we had already like pressured our guests to answer the first question which was kind of difficult and they didn't really enjoy the first question <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know uh i think that Maybe one of the hardest things about directing is like stopping when people are kind of in the middle of something because you know it's not going to work. Like you know, you're the one with that information, and oftentimes your whole crew is just thinks things are going fine. So it's hard to say like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, you were right in the middle of some great inspirational answer, Maureen." But we have to stop. Get closer. No. No. <laughs> Worse than that. No. No. <laughs> So, I have a new plan. <laughs> this is like what directing is like, just again. So, we are going to jump into our live show about 10 to 15 minutes into it. Uh, but before we do, I'd love to reintroduce our guests, which we did in the live show. Uh, we, will, we had four amazing guests. They're all working TV directors. Our first guest rose to fame while working at Sprinkles Cupcakes by making short films about the different flavors of cupcakes. And now... She directs segments full-time on ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live. We have Maureen Barucha. She also did like a couple movies and stuff as well. Uh, All right, next. He once live-streamed a marathon trip around the country in a tragic pursuit 
of directing a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial and recently directed 14 episodes of True TV's Adam Ruins Everything and segments for James Corden, originally known as Wilkerson. Now he's since merged his last name with his wife's, Tim Wilkheim. And how cool is this last name merging thing? Yeah, it's pretty dope. Next, she made a splash with her feature Midnight Swim, won the love of audiences with Buster's Malhart, and worked her way into HBO's Room 104, FX's Legion, and most recently directed the pilot for Amazon Prime's Hannah. She is Sarah Adina Smith. He's garnered close to 1 billion views through his little dick e-videos that killed at the show, you guys. <laughs> it's orange joke. Uh, and then went on to create and direct the Peabody Award-winning Netflix series American Vandal. And more importantly, his father has learned about what Tony does by listening to Just Shoot It. Tony Ascenda. So those were our guests. And then we jumped into asking him the questions about TV directing. Uh, we apologize for the audio quality. I mean, we have to apologize. This is It's not up to our normal standards, but we think our guests are great. And uh, we found a way to record them. And we are really excited about this episode. We really love it. And at the end of our live show, we also had audience questions, about half an hour worth. Yeah, some really great questions. We thought uh, that would make a great bonus episode. So um, the next episode in your feed will be the bonus questions episode. It will probably post on the same time as, as this one. So it should already be in your inbox, but check that out. Great. So now we are going to just jump straight in media rests into our first question for Tim Wilkheim. We hope you enjoy it. Um, but yeah, Tim, do you want to give us the quick answer to that? Like what you did? What, what was your first gig? Adam Ruins Everything? Uh, On TV. Yeah, it was you know, technically it was Adam Ruins Everything. And I, I got that just because I had been working for Kyle Schumer for many years and just kind of garnered enough relationships through that company that when they were turning that you know, pilot into a show. They were looking for a handful of directors and they uh, kind of took a chance on me just because I expressed interest in doing the show. And then the first season I did just three episodes, but I knew like if they were to do more episodes, I wanted to, to do more of it. So just, again, I was passionate, passionate about the material, about the show. And I kind of reached out to Adam personally. I was like, hey, like, if you do more, like, I would love to just do as many episodes as you'll give me. And I think just that enthusiasm, I, I think, probably helped me go from doing three episodes the first season to six the second. And every season that has followed, I've done a good portion of, of, of the series. What I love about this panel is that I think if you go down the line, everyone has a very distinct... Uh, path, right? But that it's still relatively repeatable. It's like, okay, you can do an indie movie, you can invent your own job, you can build great relationships with a production company, or you can sell your own show, right? So it's that easy, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tim, um, how is... So you direct also late-night sketches, right? You're doing a lot of stuff for James Corden. How is that different than directing, like, for the internet comedy videos? I mean, it's pretty short answer unfortunately but it, it's you know from doing Kyle Schumer to Corden uh, I have a lot more money to work with to you know just to, to to have enough time to pre-light to create sets to you know basically any necessity we need for the script like we can do that when you know in a Kyle Schumer video it's like we only have like 5,000 so like we can't give you the thing that you really want for this thing you basically get the prop the weird prop or or 
But, but then the trade-off is with Corden, you have two hours to shoot it. So you're shooting four to nine pages in half the amount of time you would for a college film video. Um, so that, that's really like kind of the big difference between the two. More money, less time. And usually you're cutting it, you know, the day that you're shooting. You're like, like, I'll get the the video assigned you know, on a Tuesday, I prep it on a Wednesday, I shoot it at 10 a.m. on a Thursday for two hours, and then we're editing it from one to three, and then it's on air by four o'clock. So, you know, with, but with you know, Kyle Schumer, you have weeks to do it. Um, and so do you think, like, given that you have so much more money, do you think the videos come out better, or is it still kind of? I mean, I think it, it kind of depends. It, it, like so much of the, you know who you're working with on Corden is you know it's kind of talent based because you're always it's like let's make a video with Lloyd Mayweather or uh, you know whoever who who's ever a guest on the show so it kind of just depends on how good they, they are and how much time they really want to give to to the shoot um, so it, you know I think there's some videos that are better than what I did at college you learn some that you know weren't as good so just it's just a trade off. Maureen, I'm guessing the same thing probably goes for your, the stuff you do at Kimmel. Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of schedule where, I mean, <clears throat> they have um, in-house directors. So we're doing, like, lots of little things. I mean, there's celebrity-based things, and there's man on the streets. There's mean tweets. There's, you know, you could be, maybe I think one time I did, like, a hand insert on a green screen. You know, like anything that's, like, a pre-tape or a cut-to is what we're doing, and you're getting your assignments at 10 you're shooting, you're doing all your stuff, and it has to be, like, noted up to Jimmy back, you know, by five. And so that's, like, every day. Um, and then we also have, like, we do integrations, we do commercials, so you have a little bit longer on those. But, yeah, it's, like, it's really fun and is, like, just fast-paced, and you have to really make those decisions in the moment. And, um, and you know, a lot of the people have been there for a long time, so there's some really great, talented people that are working on the show, just, like, making stuff happen. That's awesome. And how... Is it so you have this like full time job directing like celebrities directing every day doing all this awesome stuff? How do you still find time to do your own stuff? Because you're also like making shorts and yeah, doing. I mean, I feel like that's always kind of actually getting Kimmel. I had to like be like, okay, I don't have to work and do like ten million jobs on the side, but I also feel like I really like that. So it's not hard for me to be like, okay, I'm working at Kimmel, but then we just had a week hiatus, and I like wrote a script and then like I'm working on this short and then I'm like trying to get this other feature so I work a lot with like um co-writers um like I'll come up with an idea and then I have like my friend Ellen she's working on this comedy that I'm doing and then I have another friend Dave that we're working on like a Italian thriller and then I just finished my first like drama pilot um so trying to take those things out and then trying to like get some of my own projects up and going but I just kind of like to do a lot of things because I feel like one side because I do comedy and drama like my features are drama and thrillers and I feel like it feeds like one thing feeds the other side of my brain so actually when I'm not doing a bunch of stuff I don't feel like I feel like I don't feel as creative so I have to be doing like 10 things but you never feel like like I've made it I'm getting paid to direct every day like I don't need to go like kill myself to make these my own things I think the difference for me too is that I come from like shorts and narratives and features and and I love Kimmel, but it's not narrative directing. So there's always that drive to tell stories. And there's I, a little more hunger to it. Yeah, so I, like, while I'm working there, it's great. And I love it, and it's amazing. It's like it, it also doesn't take up my, my narrative storytelling part of my brain. So I can still write and do that stuff and not feel like, oh, I'm having to do all this work. 
it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, oh, I'm getting to do kind of both things that I love. It's also great, like those shows have such a regimented schedule in terms of even vacation. Yeah. So you can plan like, oh, we're going to be on hiatus for this time. Like, I'll start calling my friends and lining up a short to do in, in the interim. Yeah. And then the thing too is like we, you know, we're, the show's live at five, so I'm done at five. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an insane thing for like a director to work from like 10 to five. It's yeah. like insane. <laughs> so it's like very unusual. And so then, yeah, I have my nights and my weekends like that. Like, you don't get to the office until 10? (laughs) And you're done at 5? It's crazy. Wait, but aren't you, like, worried about tomorrow's shoot, like, the night before? Yeah, sort of. I mean, but a lot of stuff you're doing your day of, and it's shot, and it's done. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to... It's not even written yet, right? Like, that's why you're coming in at 10, right? Yeah, some stuff you do... Some stuff, you know, if you have a big shoot, you're worried about it. But then there's things that you're like, okay, I can, like... Pack that away. And, like, we actually had a shoot. Uh, we had a commercial shoot, which is really funny. And, again, our shoots are very fast. And so it was this commercial shoot, and it was an integration. So we had, like, a process trailer. And we had an extra crew to work the process trailer. And the day was only, like, seven hours long. And everyone was like, oh, it's a long day for us. And the process trailer guys were like, what? And I was like, I know. They don't, like, like, our, like we don't have long days here. <laughs> like, that kind of shooting. Like, there are, people do work really long hours, but... The, like, field shoots are not as... They're not, like, 12, 14-hour days like normal. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to work on Kimmel? (laughs) I mean, it's really hard, and it's, like, a lot of pressure. Don't get me wrong. It's compacted into that time. And it's really easy, right? It's not, like... Like, you, you're thrown into the gauntlet for 35 days of production, and then you're done. Like, Kimmel's just forever. (laughs) Sarah, uh... So you made these, this micro-budget, soft-scripted feature, and now you just made like a giant pilot for Amazon with action, and you shot in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, which one is harder? First of all, I did not hear the phrase um, soft-scripted before until tonight. Oh, it's great, I right? I say semi-scripted, yeah. but soft-scripted is very interesting. Yeah. It's like more visual. Yeah, it's like a little... Yeah, yeah you just get cozy in the yeah. script. Yeah, yeah. push it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a better way to not say reality. Sometimes that, that, oh, that's the code. Yeah. Oh, right. Or like mock you. Well, you guys are fully scripted, right, Tony? Or you're, you're kind of soft scripted, too. Yeah, we do have full scripts, but then we go. Yeah, yeah. On set. We, we have a crazy yeah. approach to set. And we throw it away. But we do have fully scripted. And so Adam ruins everything. is like every syllable has to be at the right time, right? Right. It's, it has to be very specific. It, it, pretty much, for the most part, it's all scripted aside from our expert interview. Which you, I mean, even those are like outlined uh, for the expert, but they change so much, you know, on set for what they feel comfortable or what they feel is accurate. So uh, it's ninety-five percent scripted. Right. See how I just took the script you guys have with your questions and made it off. I actually wrote in here, Sarah will probably change this yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what is harder, what is harder? Your indie movie or this insane uh, TV pilot? So I think um, they were like, it's like sort of both for different reasons. Uh, the making of the Midnight Swim was the most like beautiful, easy, magical process ever. But the getting to the making of the Midnight Swim was like seven years of torturous hell. 
um, and like self-loathing. Right, and just um, a little context, the Midnight yeah. Swim, you lost all your funding like right, like a week before you were supposed uh, to shoot. On right? a different movie. Tim just audibly broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was for this other movie, um, uh, and uh, but we had already spent money like on casting and like locations for that other movie that fell apart. So then I was like, oh, I gotta just make a movie right now because <laughs> there's like money that's been spent. And so the Midnight Swim came about because I, um, yeah, hustled and wrote an outline and convinced some actors to come to Iowa. Um, but then once everyone was there, it was just why would like, it, why would not why would someone not want to go to Iowa? Field of dreams. Uh, it was great. It was like this delightful adult summer camp where we just were um, really creative and collaborative, and it was awesome. And I don't, you know, I would love to have another experience like that. And I think uh, then Hannah on the other side um, was uh, incredibly hard because uh, it was just this epic adventure in multiple countries. Um, and so we were like prepping uh, in different countries at the same time. Um, and was incredibly ambitious, and obviously the movie, Joe Wright's movie, is so good. Uh, so it's like a lot to live up to, but like on a TV budget. <laughs> um, and so like also just trying to remind, I feel like it was my job as the director to remind um, the producers and the network at every turn like what we were setting out to make, um, and, and sort of like helping everybody rise to that occasion. And, and uh, so it was, you know, it took everything out of me. I have this, you can't hear this on, the podcast on the radio, but uh, you can see it here. I've got like a white stripe of hair, and that's like that's Hannah. Like Hannah just <laughs> made my hair turn white. Um, but I also loved it and wouldn't trade it for anything, and it was also beautiful. Can I just ask you? I've always been curious. I guess like usually in the context of Game of Thrones, how like one director is directing like in eight different countries. Like how do you? Do you just have to trust people? Like you don't show up to a castle and say like, now nah, we should have the turrets over there, right? Like, how, how, do you, how do you direct like, and figure out the production design and all that stuff if you're not in all these countries? No, I was. I was, I was uh, going to all those places. So it was like a lot of travel. I was there for a long time. Um, uh, I think it ended up being around like seven months, including because I did post in London. Um, so I was gone for quite a long time. And then the way we handled it was, um, it was I did episodes one and two, and it was around, I think, 32 shoot days total for one and two. But those got just sort of shrapneled over space and time because um, obviously it was like, let's, you know, um, I think episodes um, three and four were mostly shot in Budapest. So it made sense to like, uh, table the Spain Morocco part of my episodes until after that, and so while they were doing that, I'd be prepping Spain and Morocco. So it was a lot of a lot of travel. Okay, so it's not like you start on day one and shoot for thirty two days and you're done. No, it wasn't that at all. Yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah. I, I think we're all just reeling from the thought of like yeah. seven months of shooting. <laughs> oh, I wish. I, I mean, actually, yeah, yeah. That, it wasn't. I, I guess I'm including posts. It was seven months of being away from my dogs. Right. <laughs> Tony, um, we were teasing a little bit before about how you have a billion views of little dicky videos, but I, I think the thought of like transitioning from online content, sketch comedy, viral content, something that's really viral, into you know a bona fide TV show, you know, is a thing that everyone's still curious about. Did you have a moment where you felt like, oh, now? Like, I've proven myself. Like, they get it. They trust me. Hmm. I don't know if it, there was ever a 
a, a moment of clarity like that. I guess there was a moment where I had been for, for years doing stuff for the web, some of which I was like generating the content and had the idea, some of the stuff like I really loved the idea and wanted to pour my heart and soul into, into executing it. Um, and then there were some that was branded stuff I didn't believe in or a script that was given to me and you're just doing it for the job and, I, and you were doing a lot of underwhelming content and sort of figuring out what was the stuff that I liked to watch. It was a good you know, six year period sort of honing that. Um, but there was never one moment where I'm like, all right, I'm ready for TV. Um, I knew I wanted to do something that used documentary tools and I was like getting more and more excited about that and watching these true crime documentaries. So then it just happened to be this idea that I really believed in and wanted to put my eggs in those basket, be in that basket because, because I really believed in it. But there was never one moment where I'm like, all right, I'm done with, with web content. And I'm looking at the It wasn't the Peabody Award that didn't <laughs> go to well, your head? At this point, I'm like, when, I, when we won the Peabody Award, I'm like, ah, maybe I don't need to go and do another branded spot for Curved Body Spray. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you, though? No. Or, oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm bummed I didn't get that phone call. <laughs> um, so next question for everyone on the panel is... Now that you're a TV director, is your life set? Like, are you guys all buying houses and retiring at 40? Uh, or are you guys like, do you guys ever worry about like the longevity of your careers? Um. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.